Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners. My name is Rob Schallenberger. So excited that you joined us today because this is going to be a game changer. I'm confident that most people listening will have really heard nothing about this. They don't know very much about it. I didn't. A lot of people listening may be familiar with my background and my story because I've shared it in the past. And this is what led me down the road to how I met our guest today. Uh, My mom passed away from early onset Alzheimer's two years ago. And as she was going through that journey, she was diagnosed at age 55 and then passed away at age 65. Well, obviously, there's a concern. Do we have the same thing that she might have? And we had her genetically tested and all of these things. But that took me down a path of studying all kinds of things around the brain. What can we do about the brain being proactive? And this led me ultimately to find our guest today, Dr. John Hatch, who has become a great friend. I've been seeing him for the last two months. And it's just fascinating what he's doing. And again, I think for most people... This will be new. I've read countless books on the brain, neuroplasticity, neurology, and this was a completely new thing, even amongst all the books that I had read. And so we're going to jump into this today. I'm going to be confident this is one you want to listen to from beginning to end and probably one you're going to want to share with others. I feel like anybody who's in their 30s, their 40s, anybody who's had a concussion or trauma of any kind should really carefully take a look at what Dr. Hatch is doing and the impact it can have in their lives. So I won't give too much of his background away, but I will say he wrote a book called Brain Rehab and the Patient Experience. It's on Amazon. He's a father of four children. He started what's called the Brain Rehab Clinic, and we'll share where that's at later. You can see it at brainrehabclinic.com. So with all of that being said, and I'll call you John at this point, if that's all right, but John, welcome to the podcast and so glad to have you here. I am so excited to be here, and I love rehabbing brains. As most people know, I started out as a chiropractor and got a degree in chiropractic and just didn't feel it was enough. Adjusting and making manipulations, I felt was very similar to PT and massage therapy and good mobility and good movement. But I just had this burning inside of me to rehab complex issues that no one was solving for. There's this big gap between the medical world and their medication or surgery and the holistic, healthy alternative medicine. And people feel like they can't coexist. And I felt like my big goal was to bridge this gap, get in the middle and help both sides improve the quality of life. And it was actually really interesting, as you mentioned about Alzheimer's, my grandfather passed away from Alzheimer's and I look so much like him that I've been this little bit of fear in the back of me that, hey, am I going to get Alzheimer's like my grandfather? And I watched him progress so quickly. And so I vowed myself to begin to understand the true pathways within Alzheimer's, dementia, depression, anxiety, 
and started rehabbing brains, not only for myself, but patients. And I watched people in stage one, two, and three of both Alzheimer's and dementia, not only stop the progression, but reverse the progression. There is a limit that when the brain degenerates, it's degenerating faster than it can regenerate. And we're past the point of brain rehabilitation. But if you catch things early, I believe you can improve the quality of life at every level neurologically. And this is like a realm that Norman Deutsch coined a neuroplastician, someone out there who's rehabbing brains in his book, The Brain's Way of Healing. And I took that and I kind of coined myself that title. I'm no longer a chiropractor. I don't care if people call me Dr. Hatch or not. I'm a neuroplastician. I rehab brains. Hence why the clinic's name's Brain Rehab, why the book's called The Basis of Brain Rehab, version one, and then the clinical experience is because I want to educate people on how the brain actually rehabs and how the brain is actually governed because we learn so much and people dabble in it, but then they don't know how to apply it or they focus too much on the nutrition or physical exercise or mental self-talk and all the self-talk in the world is incredible. But if you have a broken breakdown in your brain that I can discuss and assess and figure out, no amount of self-talk is going to push you out of a breakdown in a brain function. And there are brain exercises, though, that can rehab those pathways. And you can do enough pre and post testing to get changes that most people didn't think possible. And so when I started this journey, my first patient was a Parkinson patient. She had been in a car accident three years prior and had been on every medication, chiropractic, everything that she could try. And she still had a really bad tremor. She was 54 years old, which was early, early onset for Parkinson at this severe of a tremor. And I was like, I think I can change it. So we started doing some brain exercises. And in three weeks, her tremor was gone. She was riding a bike again, like clip-in bike. And she started to see life change. And I realized then that there's more to this brain than uh, we understand from a rehab standpoint. And that's what started this whole journey. And ever since then, I've been working with complex concussions, migraines, autoimmune disorders, things that people think that they're hopeless, right? Neuropathy is a big one. POTS, positional orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, or the chronic long-lasting COVID, post-COVID syndrome, the long-lasting kind. These things can change. We do not need to live in a world of continual perpetual suffering just because we have a broken brain. And we have to remember the hierarchy of the brain is about survival. It'll do whatever it takes to survive. So if it feels like, hey, I don't have enough of this, I'm going to drop that pathway and I'm going to focus on these because this keeps me alive. But that's going to give me anxiety. It's going to give me gut issues. It's going to cause my brain to degenerate. The brain does not care. It has a law of survival, right? We see that in survival mechanisms, how people defy the impossible and then they survive. And they don't just come back to normal life. The brain's still in that stuck phase unless you rehab the brain, which is why I started working with a nonprofit organization with Reborn Heroes, treating post-vets with PTSD. And now they're part of first responders as well. So firefighters and police officers, and anybody who has a PTSD, there's a vestibular concomitant. And that's basically in a simple terms is you have a balance issue, equilibrium inside your inner ear. And these little receptors create a host of problems. And 
I have found in our office that insomnia, sleep issues, anxiety are actually a neurological problem, not a psychological problem. And people are, I mean, even I, I have a supplement that's deep sleep for people that have sleep issues, but I think my brain exercises works better than even the supplement. The supplement just helps if someone's chemistry's off. So that's why I'm always pro-medicine, pro-supplement, pro-diet, nutrition, lifestyle. But we also got to rehab this brain correctly. And we just didn't know. We didn't know anything. I mean, even when I started this whole journey, because I had got a concussion at age 13 years old, and I blacked out 18 hours of my life. And I went from being a 4.0 student in all the gifted after-school classes, just kind of like a bookworm. And then was like, now I was just this athlete and I didn't want to do any school and I could barely survive getting a 2.7 or 3.0 to barely hold on so I could play sports. And it wasn't until I rehabbed my brain that then education became a new horizon for me and I can't get enough absorption. But that, like you said, Rob, I have read so many self-help books. I've read all of your books. I absolutely love them. I believe so much in your principles. Start with the vision and start with a plan and create these steps and these different 12 steps and different characteristics. I mean, those work so well. And yet all the books that I read, there was nothing about, hey, you should do this cross crawl tap to prevent Alzheimer's. You should do carpet angels if you have sensory problems. You should do balance and challenge your balance and eye vision to help with coordination and movement right? We've started to get into functional training where people are not just doing bench press, push-ups and pull-ups. They're going into these ball and these kettlebells and all these off-balance stuff. So we're starting to move the engine, but it's not always moving at the speed that I want or patients need for their care. You know, I've been sharing this with a lot of friends and family. I told John before we started that we've been sending a lot of people his way and when I try to explain this to others, it is kind of an unfamiliar territory when we're talking about the brain. And so the way I relate it, I'm like, hey, have you ever had a knee injury? Have you ever had an ankle injury? You know, if it's a substantial injury to a knee, we don't have to do physical therapy, but it's going to have a residual lingering issue throughout our life. It may heal 98%, but there's going to be this little residual that may cause us to start to limp a little bit now. And over the course of time, that's going to start to impact us as, our, as we're walking unevenly. And it all of a sudden starts to have, to have this ripple effect. So nobody would have any issues with doing physical therapy to a knee or to a hip. And I almost call this like physical therapy for our brain. If we've had a concussion, if we've had trauma, other types of injuries or whatever it might be, just life experiences, PTSD, then why wouldn't it be important then to also do physical therapy essentially for our brain and let's rehab and heal that particular area of the brain that's not functioning? Because I think to your point, John, in our conversations, the brain is very good at rewiring itself to compensate and it works until it doesn't anymore. And that's why we may be able to get away with 20 years after concussion, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to show up down the road at some point. So here's my question. Two questions. Let's start with this one. For someone that's listening that doesn't know anything about this, walk us through, first of all, why this works and why this is so different than maybe the traditional approach. Like what actually do you do? Someone... And I know not everyone's going to have the ability to go to your office that's listening to this. That's why it's nice that you have the book as an option. But let's say a person comes in, walk us through kind of the nutshell version of the process and then what you're looking for and why this does then have such a big impact on the brain. Okay, great. I'd love to. Because 
I developed my own assessment tools. They've already already existed out there, but I'm trying to get this to eventually go to every place in the world and open it up in every country across the world where what we do in the office is we have a headset. It's like a VR headset that tracks eye movement with cameras and it measures eye movement. And the research on all the eye movement and all of its findings has been studied since the late 1980s, 1990s. They really developed it. And in the most recent book in 2011, The Neurology of Eye Movements, I mean, it's the gold standard of all differential diagnosing imbalances in the brain. And what's funny is you read these books and their treatment is this drug, this drug, this drug, or surgery. Not Mm -hmm. one in this book is, well, drive this pathway and you correct that same finding or give some physical therapy to this area of the brain because everything is governed in the brain. The rebalance receptor system is the only dual sensory system. So what I mean by that is when I touch something like a hot stove, it sends a signal to my brain for a withdrawal reflex. We all have it. We all know it. It all exists. But if that is broken or something not functioning, how do we reconnect it and get it to re-engage? And there's hardwired reflexes and pathways in your brain that can be stoked up. Like what you said, the brain's survival mechanism. And that's why a concussion in when you're 18 cannot even have a side effect for you for 20, 30 years later. And all of a sudden you get a small ear infection. It alters your equilibrium and adaptation on adaptation is an unstable thing, right? We see that in building a house. If you made a little just, well, we'll do this to support it now. And then a support in a second and third support, the moment one of those breaks, the whole thing goes down. And that's kind of like how the brain works. It's constantly building support systems. The brain can't heal itself. The brain repairs. And we get that figuratively wrong because we think the brain can heal itself. But that's why we have scar tissue, even on just a little cut. That scar tissue is never the same tissue as the real tissue. But with the correct movement, it can still, even with scar tissue, function the same. So a lot of these patients that I have with like anxiety and depression, they'll be really good. They'll get a concussion. They adapt. They're fine. And then later, they bump their head right as they're getting into a car. Or they get an ear infection. Or COVID happened. And they got an infection. And the brain altered. And then all of a sudden, three, six months later, they're having anxiety or depression or feelings that they never had before because they had a pre-existing issue that was just waiting. And so at our office, we look at the eyes because the eyes are the only sensory organ that activate every part of your brain. And we go, I go into great detail in this in the book and how the eyes work and what they're governed and controlled by. But then the next step that I've developed in the last little bit more than anything is how gravity works on your brain. And your brain is constantly adapting to gravity. And that's why people have sleep issues. It's a graviceptual equilibrium issue. And if you can fix these balance systems, even someone like you who's been a fighter pilot and has gone G-forces at highest level, your brain is still sensory and it's still adapting and it's still developing. And if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's a similar thing with our balance system. The more unbalanced we get, the older we get, We watch our legs get a little wider, so our balance is wider, so we're more stable, and we don't move as much. We're not as aggressive and still, right? You're still still not doing 
roles in your fighter pilot at a two or three G-force. Like, so your brain is still calibrating and it keeps adapting and keeps adapting, but with high amounts of activation, it stays stable. And so what we do is we assess, find where the weakness is, and it's all based in laws of neurology. It's not like I have some random theory that's just made up. These theories are backed in all the neuroscience research. I just apply pathways. So I bring in a brain exercise and I have a bunch of YouTube. I actually have a YouTube channel, Brain Rehab Clinic uh, YouTube channel. There's about 38 videos or so on there. People can go and watch and I give exercises that can help you or if you struggle with this or you struggle with this, look at this and here's the exercises. Because if you're just listening to this, you're like, oh, I want to see what cross curl taps looks like because we developed that exercise here at the clinic. I have created over 2,300 plus brain exercises. We just this year alone have already inked and videoed 53 new brain exercises based on different balance equilibrium things that we're seeing on the assessment tools that tell me where the problem is. And then if they don't change, I have to apply a different brain exercise because no two brains are the same. You could have two people come in with anxiety and one of them has otolithic issue on the left and the other one has a canal issue on the right, or someone has a cranial nerve 12 tongue muscle that's moving just a little bit different that causes the brain to feel uneasy. And now the anxiety is coming from not feeling comfortable in their own skin, which is where I, I probably treat more things than anything else is anxiety. It's like, to me, that's a home right hitter if I, if I find the pathway. And it's just finding the right pathway. So wherever you're at in the world, know that there's hope. You don't have to chronically suffer. Neuropathy, whatever it may be. And John, I just want to pause right there because that is a great point that people need to understand is there's hope. And one of the challenges to so many of these things is I've found two things, whether it's Alzheimer's, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, two things are really make this difficult. Number one, where does someone even start? <laughs> you know, you go to Google and you type in just anxiety. You brought up that one. And how many responses are there going to be? There's just millions. So someone is completely yep. overwhelmed with information of where do I even start? Same with any disease, really. I mean, Alzheimer's is the same. It's completely overwhelming. So that's one issue that I know everyone is faced with is how do you sort through all this information to find something that can work? And in many places, there's people that say, you just have to deal with this the rest of your life. I even heard that as recently as this weekend, someone said to a family member, hey, this is something you're just gonna have to deal with the rest of your life. Have to mm -hmm. just manage it, just have to figure out how to handle it and deal with it. And so there's a lot of information out there. And in many cases, it's misinformation. And then number two is, once a person does have a pathway, you know, where to start, is it really something that can address it? And that's where your comment of hope is a big deal. Man, when people lose hope, I think all of us have experienced what it's like to have hope and maybe sometimes not to have hope. And I hope that our listeners can have hope that there are some solutions to things that maybe they've experienced, headaches, anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue, brain fog, whatever it is, that there is hope that these things are solvable. I mean, I've gone through your exercise for two months now, and I've seen a major shift in just where my well-being is now versus even just two months ago, you know, applying these brain exercises. Mm -hmm. My wife has totally different ones. And I'll just throw one more thing out there. It, again, I don't want to Say that you have to go to John's office. If you can, it certainly is worth it if you can. But if you're in Rwanda, I know that may not be feasible. In his office, he had this big gyro machine that can spin you upside down. Not everyone's going to use that. My wife didn't. I did. You know, there's these different laser therapies and things like that. But it's really the home exercises and it's the rewiring of the pathway. So I'll just summarize this again. 
at least from our journey's perspective, we went in, he did this analysis, tested all of our eyes, you know, our movement, memory, et cetera. So uh, this quick set of tests that were very easy. And then based on that, we sat in his chair in his office and we looked at all the different eye movements and what that indicated with what was happening, you know, behind the scenes, in the brain, the vestibular system, et cetera. And based on that, he gave each one of us a specific set of exercises to target those areas of the brain or slash vestibular system or whatever it was. And that's exactly it. And if I understood correctly, you know, that's that's then the approach is we come back every month, we check in, we see how it's doing, we can make tweaks as necessary. But the whole point is we're targeting those areas of the brain that are deficient or not firing correctly or just not working as they should have. So let me ask you this, John, we've kind of talked about the pathway that someone goes down if they were going to go to your office. Let's say some of our listeners in Russia or the Philippines or Rwanda or South America. What's the starting point for someone that's not in Utah or not in a position where they could come to the Utah office? I know your vision is to get this to everywhere Mm -hmm. in the world, which I'm thrilled about because I hope it does get to that point sooner than later. In the meantime, what's something that someone in those countries or in that position that can't necessarily travel to Utah, what's something that they can do right now where they're at? That is my favorite part of what we do. It's challenging. Like you said, when people say like, you're going to live with this for the rest of your life, that's their way of trying to make you feel, okay, I'm just content with this because it can't get any worse. I'm just going to live with this for life and let's go from there. What, they, what they're trying to do with that is hope. But in my mind, I don't think it's hope. I think someone should always have the drive to say, I can always improve. I can always make this better. And so if you're in out of country, if you're in the Philippines or you're in Russia or wherever you may be listening to this, I would start by doing three fundamental brain exercises that are some of the most simple and yet complex for the brain. They're kind of my gold standard. One of them is drawing a figure eight with your jaw. And it's called jaw figure eights. And again, I have a YouTube video that explains and shows you how to do it. If you're just listening to audio, you're drawing a figure eight with your jaw. The other one would be cross crawl taps. These are two exercises I give to almost everyone that walks into my office because they're fundamental to midline cerebellum uh, system which if that is broken, you can't fix anything. You can try to go to the extreme and, and the vestibular, but if you don't have a midline cerebellum stable, you're, you're going to be fighting yourself uphill. It's kind of how I work with stroke patients. They're like, I want my arm to work. And I'm like, well, I got to get your brainstem to work before I can get your arm to work. You got to work mid- midline out, not out in. And so the jaw figure eights, the cross crawl taps, and a half yes divergence. And again, all these videos are on the YouTube. You can just search them, Dr. Hutch's uh, brain exercises, and you'll be able to find enough information. And I would start there. Again, in the book, I actually do an assessment of which area of the brain you might be struggling with based on a symptom. I don't like that as much as I like diagnostics because that's very subjective. Someone can come in and say, I have severe depression and I see every finding in anxiety. Another patient comes in and goes, I have debilitating depression right? and or anxiety, and I see every finding in depression. It's where is the finding in the brain? So best case, yes, is to fly here, let's assess it and get you going. Hopefully, in the next five years, I should have these in every country across the world and we won't be, you won't have to wait or guess. But in the meantime, there are certain brain exercises that are universal that we can all improve ourselves. There's also a little app 
Cognero Tap. You can actually do the crotch crawl. It's the number one exercise I have for preventing Alzheimer's. It actually has an assessment on there that helps you find your speed. I'm trying to make tools for everybody across the world to get right now until we get the systems in their country. But yes, so we start with brain exercises and challenge yourself to do something you haven't done before. So if yoga is not something that you like or Tai Chi, start doing Tai Chi and yoga. The more you work on your balance, the better your overall health gets. And that is a gold standard for all neurology. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. And by the way, while I'm thinking of it, do you remember just off the top of your head, the actual YouTube channel that you have? Anybody that's looking and, and wants to find and make sure you spell this correctly. So it's John, J-O-H-N, Hatch. So if you're typing in John Hatch brain exercises, they should come up while he's looking at that. You know, here's one thing that I found interesting too, John, as you were talking about this, and as you've walked us through, now we're two months into this journey. As we started this journey, you drew an interesting graph. And this is why you suggested it takes two or three months, right? Because the brain is defaulting back to its state of survival, this fight or flight Correct. mode that it's in. Now that's anxiety, depression, or I should say anxiety at least, but in a lot of other cases, what's actually physically happening in the brain here? You walked us through that. You said, hey, you know, first few weeks, it's going to default back. And you kind of drew this graph and said, is the brain serious? Are you serious? Is this a safe place to go? And so I don't know that I'm doing this justice for our listeners who are just listening to this, but what is actually physically happening in the brain as a person starts to do these things? Great, great insight. So first, the YouTube channel is Brain Rehab Clinic. If you type in Brain Rehab Clinic, all the YouTube videos and the YouTube channel is all Brain Rehab Clinic. That's the best place to go to find your exercise. And you can scroll through all the videos. I have a ton of education on there, but also the videos. But what you're saying is amazing. It's probably the most important thing I can teach people because consistency of your exercises is what gets the results. If you do exercises for five days and expect it to change, it's just not happening. And you did it perfect justice because I understand it. But for those listeners, think of it like weight loss. If you go sugar-free for a day, do your abs look great? (laughs) If you go sugar-free for a week, do your abs look great? No, a lot of times... It'll take three or four days before your sugar cravings decrease. But then sometimes you see results in the first week and then nothing for two or three weeks because the brain's like, no, 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 I'm used to this high sugar. I need this high sugar. And then you're learning to have no sugar. So the brain has to adapt and goes, okay, I guess I'll start breaking down these other things. And then it gets so efficient at that, that it's like, oh, I don't need to store fat. I get really good at this. And people understand it really well from a weight loss standpoint, but they don't realize that it has nothing to do with weight loss. It has everything to do with how the brain is working. That is brain training the way someone diets. It's the same thing when you're doing a brain exercise. You're doing an exercise and this brain has survival mode, hierarchy, safety. I'm going to live. And it's like, okay, you did that exercise for three days. That's great. But I'm not going to jump my whole system onto it if it's not stable, you're not going to keep giving this to me. So it's kind of like a little trickle of water into a tree. It's not going to pull its main source from it. It'll enjoy it. It'll start to say, thank you. I'll take that. But until it becomes like, that's the standard, it's like, oh yeah, I'm strengthening that root. Put all my root on that because it's unstoppable and it's constant and I can make a 10 times better tree with it. It's similar to what the brain is doing. It's always a level of hierarchy 
And are you balancing and stabilizing it? And then we're pushing it. So it's like a marathon runner that starts running one or two miles and eventually gets up to 20 miles. And it feels no different to them than running the one or two miles. At first, it's very taxing. When I give brain exercises to people, they'll say, five times a day, I am exhausted at the end of the day. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And then three weeks later, they're like, oh, yeah, I do these super fast. It's no problem. And then as the brain gets more efficient, they actually decrease the brain exercises because it just needs that steady little drip system, like on your roses out on in your yard, in your garden or something. It just needs the steadiness of it, not the intensity of it. But the intensity is what first kickstarts this change because the brain is stuck this way. It is stuck in this fashion for survival. And that's what they talk about. We only have control of 10% of our brain. The other 90% we have no control over. And I'm grateful for that. I don't want to think about rehealing my liver enzyme and rechanging my gut enzyme and oh, I cut my little elbow and I have to replenish all my cells. Well, your brain would be so, you wouldn't have enough time to think about anything else, anything emotion and enjoy life. And that's kind of what happens when someone feels so anxiety. They don't know where they are in space. And so they can't think of anything outside of their world. And then once they start, their brain starts to feel stable, it can think of anything and everything outside the world. And they're like, oh, I can be in a really scary, complex situation and still feel safe. Absolutely. Because that's your brain. And I learned that from Victor Hugo's Man's uh, Search for Meaning as he studied those that were in the concentration camps. Like, I've always been fascinated about how a brain will do whatever it takes to survive. And the more you can give the brain, it doesn't have to be in a survival mode. It can be in a thriving mode. So instead of survival, let's be in a thrival. <laughs> it's kind of as a made-up English word. But <laughs> I mean, be in a state of being, coming something better than yourself. And because you are giving the brain more opportunities to grow and reach out and experience life and learn more, there's no limit to our capacity. It's just whether we give the brain something to do with it. And that's where we, we have all this opportunity and we focus our lives into this thing and we're like, well, that's just who we are. No, that's what you chose, but that doesn't mean we can't choose other things and open up these doors and these windows to so much more. And that's why I love what you're doing is because if we look at traditional past, it's really been medicine as an option, surgery as an option, not a whole lot else we can do. But let's go back to our physical therapy example. If it's the knee, we have physical therapy. We don't need to go right to orthoscopic surgery. We can do physical therapy. There's things we can do. This is the exact same concept with the brain. So I hope we go back to that hope concept because there's a lot of people out there listening that says, man, I kind of lost hope (laughs) in that there was really no options for this. I've exhausted all my options. I've done everything I could do. And now I'm just resigned to, you know, this is how it's going to go. And the other thing that I just want to highlight for our listeners as we get ready to wrap up, I can't believe it's been 30 minutes. This is applies across the board to all kinds of things that you may not think it does, like Lyme disease. You mentioned Lyme disease to us. You said the difference is I need a year instead of three months, right? Because this is a much deeper, more significant thing maybe than some of these other things that are going to be rehabbed in the brain. It's physical therapy again. You need to go way longer yep. on the physical therapy, retraining different parts of the brain that aren't quite firing correctly. What that reminded me of, it's not just concussions. It's not just anxiety, depression, Lyme disease. No one would really ever associate with the brain. 
they'd say that's something totally Correct. different. And I've watched these Lyme disease groups that I've just been part of just randomly one time looking through it. No hope. They're like, yeah, I've just been told I just have to deal with it the rest of my life. And I have worked with so many, so many of those Lyme patients we have worked on and they get incredible results. They can't believe that their life is literally normal to them again. And even autoimmune, uh, like complex autoimmune disorders, most people say, well, that's just your statement in life. Like that's another one that the world of the medicine goes, we have nothing for you. Like you just got to live like this. And the reality is, no, you don't. You can rehab your brain and get your own brain to change even an autoimmune response. And I just feel like, and I know you and I have talked about this. And we're, I feel like there's this increase in light in the world. And that this is another tool that you've been inspired by God to bring to the world. And there's just so many things right now in the world that are opening doors that have never been opened. And this is one of those. And so I hope people will seriously not only share this podcast to create an awareness, because again, most people don't even know where to start. They would never know you existed or that this is even an option. And so I would hope that people would share this or share your book or share your website or whatever, just like I've done with many people as I referred them to you. Obviously, I get nothing from it. I don't care. I just want to see them heal. I want to see them get better. And this is one more powerful tool that we can add to our toolkit or arsenal. So John, before we wrap up, any final thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, my final thought is as you're going through your history and you say to yourself, oh, well, I haven't had a concussion. I haven't had a severe infection. Like we've been talking about the knee. Oh, I injured my knee. I tore my ACL. There's a fall involved in that. You don't always have to hit your head to distort where your brain thinks you are in space. Many people get whiplash injuries with no head hit and have more complex issues than if you had gotten a concussion and blacked out. And knowing where your body is in space, and the best way to do this, stand up right now, put your feet together, close your eyes, and see if you feel stable. Stay there for 20 seconds. If you start moving and lifting your arms, your brain does not know where you are in space. If you felt great there, stand on a pillow and see if you still know where you are in space, in balance, and you'll know right away, yes, my brain needs work. And that's the best assessment you can do all day, every day, and know where you are. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, And it's true. That's part of the test we did at your office, right? Is you first stand on this, it's not a scale, but you stand on this device, and then they put this soft foam cushion, and you stand on that, and sure enough, you feel good for me, and then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, you start to drift one way or the other. And it comes back to that gravity discussion, which we could talk a lot more about. Yep. Well, John, it's been fabulous having you here today. I hope our listeners will go to your YouTube site, Brain Rehab Clinic, brainrehabclinic.com. You can go to Amazon, get his book, Brain Rehab and the Patient Experience. Lots of places to start. Obviously, if you can go to his office, I would highly recommend that. If that's not an option, these are some great alternatives that you can use right now until he has some of these other tools available for the rest of the world which I'm really excited about that those will be coming down the road. So great guest, John Hatch. Thank you so much for being here today. And I hope our listeners have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, 
or how to get certified as a trainer or coach or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.